cliffcentral.com. Hey, you're with us on the Futurology Show. It's a Wednesday. It's 12 o'clock, and this is where you find us. So, B2, Brett Lindsay in the house with Brett Sinclair, as always. Hello, everybody. African, what's it? The African Digital Disruptor Squirrels Rock, right? And we're going to find more about us in this episode as well. Just in case you've, you've been listening for a while and you have no idea who the hell we are, it's Brett Lindsay, the digital philosopher, Brett Sinclair, the African ex-Googler digital disruptor. Ooh. And we have Mr. Michael Cowan. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Am, am I on? Yeah. <laughs> we we I, deliberately I'm, keep you I'm off. occasionally the driver as well. Yeah. You, 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 have you got your learner's license? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. This is very analog for me. I don't understand. It's terrible, actually. Yeah. So, Mr. So. Michael Cowan, the digital renegade. And again, we'll be talking about that. Yes. Looking forward to that. Later this. in the show. But... Uh, some interesting things. Last year we had the guys from Gartner mm. talking about the Gartner Symposium, and there was a whole program running around the aspiring innovators. Now we had six of the aspiring innovators join yes. us on the show, and it was really, really interesting to see what's happening in the South African and African space. And uh, we've got uh, Mr. Jeffrey Mann on Skype at the moment. Are you there, Jeffrey? Yeah, I certainly am. Good morning. Hey, great, great to have you with us again. Yeah, at least it's morning for me. I realize it's getting into afternoon for you, but I'm yeah. still an hour behind. Oh, okay, cool. Well, sorry about that. No problem. Thanks for joining us again. We're really looking forward to uh, the Gartner Symposium and the Aspiring Innovators Program again this year, 2017. Uh, but who am I to tell everybody about what it is? We've got you on the line. Uh, what is what is the symposium, and how does Gartner go about putting it on? Well, symposium is our flagship event that we held that we hold in um, in eight different locations around the world. Uh, Cape Town actually is the first one, so we kick it off in South Africa. Our uh, symposium season. After that comes the biggest event that we hold in Orlando, then Barcelona, and various other locations around the world. So, symposium and IT Expo is an event aimed at CIOs and the direct reports and IT leaders. So, it's where we bring together and present. Uh, the most important IT decision makers in the various regions, and we will talk about the trends and the uh, developments that we see around the world, um, as well as giving delegates the opportunity to meet with each other. It's always one that is always uh, that people always value much. And the, the IT Expo part is there are sponsors and vendors who are also uh, showing what they've got going. So that's really what Symposium is. The way that we pull it together is that uh, we the the uh, most of the content is determined by the analysts. Those are people like me who look at various div- different technology areas. Uh, we talk with vendors. We talk with customers all the time. And from that, we are extracting really what's going on. What are the best practices? What do people People need to be paying attention to and what's going to be coming next. That's how we determine the content that goes into it. As well as that, there's going to be also opportunities from a lot of the companies and enterprises to talk about what they're doing, as well as a little bit from the vendors. You know, they're they're on the show floor. You know, certainly we're very you know very interested in what they're doing. But really, what we're trying to do is because Gartner is all about independence and looking at the uh, uh, really an independent view of of what's going on. So you know, yeah, so vendors are there as well. But it's really more about what our analysts are. Fantastic. And uh, last year we got to meet a bunch of the Aspiring Innovators. Now, that's a program you guys run within the symposium as well, the Aspiring Innovators program. Uh, Tell us more about that. 
Yeah, this is something, this is the third year we've been doing it, and up to now, this really is unique to South Africa. Uh, it's something that was uh, some of the steering committee and the delegates were talking about, that they, they valued the way that Gartner was looking at worldwide trends and you know what's happening in other markets and bringing that to South Africa. Um, but they were also interested in what was happening in Africa itself, and that's really what the Aspiring Innovator Program is really aimed at being. So what we do is we put the call out for companies that think that they're doing something interesting, or if you know of a company that uh, thinks that they're doing something interesting, in the startup phase. So we're looking for smaller companies, you know, one, you know, not really big established ones, but the ones that are doing something new and interesting, and new and interesting potentially to our, you know, to the delegates of symposium. So it has to have a a B two B or an enterprise focus. So we're not really looking for dating apps or those kind of things. Interesting as they may be, it's not the kind of thing that uh, uh, that a lot of business buyers buyers are looking at. Yeah, yeah. I always have to, you know, it's always interesting seeing those uh, applications, but we can't necessarily do much with it. <laughs> so we're out there looking for, uh, yeah, for interesting companies. Excellent. And you have to be a going concern. You can't just have a great idea. You actually have to be doing something, correct? Yeah, we want it to be, you know, not the earliest stage, you know, so we we will say it can be in beta, but it has to be in use by somebody, you know, so it doesn't have to be total production, you know, but we're looking for, you know, not the idea stage, but kind of the, you know, the first stage, you know, that, that generally is the kind of, is, is the kind of thing that we're looking for. Um, I'm also, we're not really posi- pitching this as this is, you know, it's not a sort of a, you know, a survivor kind of thing or, uh, you know, a lion's den. It's more, you know, we're not necessarily looking for the very best. We're looking for representative and we're looking okay. for, for companies that are doing something interesting. You know, that's really the main topic that we're looking for. Now, when you say interesting, is there a specific field or sector that you guys are looking at uh, answering needs, fintech, blockchain, social mm-hmm. interaction? All of that's possible, you know, so we, so the, the delegates and the, uh, uh, really are, come across the board. We have a lot of government, we have a lot of financial, we have a lot of insurance, retail, mining, you know, you know all really across the board. There's lots of, so it doesn't have to be a particular industry, but as I say, it needs to be kind of enterprise oriented. So not, you know, you know, yeah, so not really going for consumers. Um, yeah, it's more interesting, of course, if it's broad, you know, we've had some, there's lots of interesting things that are going on in like medical care, which really are only interesting to doctors offices. So that's not really that that's a little bit too limited for it. You know, as interesting and, and cool as it might be, you know, it's a it's not necessarily something that we're really looking for. So things yeah. like blockchain and fintech, you know, particularly if it's got a broader you know, the broadest appeal is certainly going to have the be- the best yeah. chance. Yeah. So last year we got uh, the privilege of interviewing six of the aspiring innovators from the program and really fascinating companies that came through really doing some amazing stuff. Uh, What's happened to the, what is happening to them? What's the sort of life after the Gartner Symposium or the Aspiring Innovators Program? Mm-hmm. Well, the feedback we got that they all universally found it very valuable. They made contacts, made sales, were certainly able to take advantage of it. Because what they get basically is the ones who were selected, they get a um, a stand or a shared stand, which is sponsored by MTN Business. We're very grateful for MTN Business for uh, sponsoring this. And so they're the they're the specific sponsor of this particular program. So they get a small stand where they can be showing you know what they're doing, and this comes alongside you know many of the major vendors that would be at IT Expo. Uh, they also uh, we asked them to produce a video, uh, so they produce a short two to three minute video, and I do a presentation where I talk about the different vendors, and that video is available on the on, on my blog site on, on Gartner.com. So that's really what they get from it. 
the feedback was that they found it all very valuable. I've been looking at some of the developments of some of the things that are going on. I noticed uh, some were able to take some very good advantage of it. Uh, IoT.next that does a um, yeah, uh, an Internet like of Things platform. Does, yeah? uh, they just yeah, right. Yeah, they just closed a big funding round. Now, I'm oh, certainly great. not going to take credit for it, but I definitely would could would congratulate them for it. So they're looking at, at some international expansion. I've been looking at some of the others, like um, like Invoke Solutions with a reporting tool. They've got some extra customers that I didn't notice when the uh, last time I looked. The same goes with yeah. Bravulo. Um, you know, and and Impression with their e-signatures. They're right. doing some good things with Absa. Uh, so yeah, certainly we're seeing some you know progress definitely coming from it, and I think they found uh, you know the ones who were selected found this uh, you know they certainly found this valuable. Excellent. Um, and for those of you listening, uh, we did interview all of well, we interviewed six of the aspiring innovators from the program last year. If you'd like to uh, listen in on those podcasts, they're all freely available on the cliffcentral.com website. So check them out. There's some really interesting guys doing some really amazing stuff. But Jeff. Uh, what are the sort of companies that we can expect? Are we looking for mainly startups? And more importantly, how can they find out more or even submit their, their ideas and businesses to, to you guys? Yeah, it is, it is a, definitely aimed at that early stage startups. You know, say the ones we've had in the past, as I mentioned, we've had some from IoT, some doing, uh, Internet of Things, some doing reporting. Um, you know, we've had, uh, others that were looking at more, you know, specific areas around mesh networks. You know, so it really is kind of across the board. I don't want to limit it too much, but again, the best chance is if it's going to be interesting to the people who come to Symposium, which are the IT decision makers of the most important companies in Africa. That's really who we're aiming it at. Uh, um, now, to find out more, uh, the best place is if you go to gartner.co.za, there is a link there that goes to Aspiring Innovators. That talks about the criteria, uh, the, the qualifying, and the email address where you can send that to. That's, uh, it's going to be aspiringinnovators at gartner.co.za, uh, but that's also available from the website. Excellent. And for those of you listening, we will be tweeting that out as well later in the show. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Jeffrey, for joining us on the show today and telling us more about the Gartner Symposium. Uh, you're obviously on the Futurology Show, and the question we ask all of our guests, even whether you call in or you pop in, is what is your what, what excites you about the future? Where do you think we're going, and what are the things to look out for? Well, I think it's going to be the most exciting thing is, you know, you know uh, it, it's really the depth of the change that's coming. Because yeah. I've seen a lot of changes in the past, you know, whether it was, uh, you know, whether it was things about you know, becoming real-time enterprises or client, even client server or how far the internet, you know, there've been a lot of different changes which are coming. But the exciting thing about digital, you know, because everything is digital these days, we've already used that word several times even before I came on the line. Uh, you know, it's all, all about the digital, and that is really more than just a particular technology, you know, because even a lot of these technologies have been around for a while. But the interesting thing is how deeply it goes. You know, it's not just a better computer or a better user interface or yeah. a faster database. You know, this is really leading towards different business models, different yeah. different types of, of businesses. And so it really is going to be affecting you know, pretty much everybody. So it's getting out of the geek corner you know, and becoming more, really more with a, a board of directors down to individual salespeople, you know, you know, you know hauling their, their briefcases around selling stuff. So yeah. I think the depth of, is, uh, of the changes really, I think, is going to be the most interesting part. Yeah, it's going to come down to a lot about not just talking digital, but actually doing digital, which is a big thing that we talk mm. about here on the show. Um, mm-hmm. It'd be great for uh, potentially our listeners if we could maybe come through and join you guys at the symposium, do some live interviews and crossings from there <laughs> as the Futurology. So if you guys are happy to have us, we'd be happy to come down and, and see how things are going. Yeah. 
Yep, yep, sure. We've done that in the past. I'm sure we'll do yep. it in the future. Fantastic. And uh, again, so if you uh, would like to find out more about what happened last year, you're more than welcome to go to the podcast. Stay tuned to the Futurology show, as I'm sure we'll be getting the aspiring innovators again on the show. Uh, but just a reminder, when exactly is the symposium? Well, September 18 to 21 in Cape Town. September 18 to 21. And again, you can get all the information yeah. you need on gartner.co.za. We'll tweet that out now. Yeah. And once again, yeah. Jeff Mann, thank you very much from us at the Futurology Show in Cliff Central for joining us. All the best for, uh, Thanks a lot. for your setup. Thanks a lot. Always Thanks. a pleasure. Great. Keep up. Well. Bye. Wow. Guys, wow. Um, yeah. I have to admit, I, I love seeing big international players coming into South Africa. And the fact that we get the first hit, yeah. we kind of set the tone for the Gartner Show. For sure. I mean, I, I'm living in the world of CIOs, and it, it literally is their happy space. Everyone talks about the Gartner Symposium, um, and I'm really excited to see that they're bringing in the digital field. They're bringing yeah. in uh, the, the startup guys and really start to mix it up because these guys, I mean, they really know their stuff. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And I think one of the great things about it being focused, so the Aspiring Innovators Program is is focused in Africa because, mm. let's be honest, there's a lot of things that we can, that we're, we're exposed to here that need fixing. There's a lot of need, therefore there's a lot of solutions. And the the innovations behind it are... And I, 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 I have a very strong opinion on that, right? Because you've got the whole of Silicon Valley and you've got the whole of technology across the European and Asian markets, very good at solving their own problems. Yeah. Um, and yet... W- no one is able to really figure out Africa, and I yeah. really think it, it takes us as as Africans yeah. to learn the way and learn and take the knowledge and apply it with possibly some design thinking, right? Uh, uh, absolutely. And yeah. I think Silicon Valley comes across very synthetic. It's it's yeah. very much this 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 plastic man made melting pot for innovation like everybody's tried really hard you, you know what there. the difference is but Africa is very authentic no exactly that's the point because what we're doing is we're solving real problems here Silicon Valley is just uh, solving business efficiency problems come on man exactly yeah, so how, how to like a photo yeah, exactly <laughs> I mean really it's very hard though. but not but not how to uh, get away uh, from corruption or voting yeah. systems and yeah. electoral oh, processes pay grants or yeah, yeah whether or not they're paid or not try try get the unbanked banged i mean there's so many things slightly like liking a post slightly real problems hey so yeah absolutely and i think that's the thing I mean, there are so many guys that are trying to innovate in, in africa at the moment and there's a lot of guys sort of crying that first world victim in a third world country and and it's it's not true it's it is what you make it i love the way a lot of the guys sit on the boundaries that's so, how at Barclays, we've got something called Barclays Rise. So we, we're going through and we're hiring a bunch of cohorts. And I say hiring, selecting. And so we're interviewing also some later stage startup guys to be part of the cohort and, and, and develop them into amazing businesses as much as we can help with um, the tech star bunch. And I, I, I do giggle when I, I see a lot of the uh, international guys, especially the European and the U.S. guys, sitting on a Skype call in these plush-ass offices. Yeah. And they're going, we're going to solve your problems. And the first thing that runs to mind, and it's a question asked every single one of them, so does that mean you're moving your entire business to Africa? Yeah. And last year, there was a bunch that moved their asses to Africa. They're still sitting there at the moment in Ghana, solving problems. Doing. 
doing, actually living, breathing, and getting in front of uh, of a whole lot of uh, Ghanaians. Excellent. Um, so we all have opinions on the show, mm. and I think it's fantastic. And we, we like to explore the future, not yeah. just discuss it or try and predict it. Um, and occasionally we have guests on the show to talk about different topics. So for those of you listening, today we are actually going to be diving into who we are. So who is Brett Lindsay, the digital philosopher? Who is Brett <laughs> Sinclair, the ex- Googler and African digital disruptor, and who is Michael Cowan, the digital renegade? Now, we're going to be talking about ourselves, where we come from, why we're together, and what we hope to keep doing in the future. But we also have a guest in studio with us, Francois Brill from Big Brave. How are you doing? How's it, guys? Awesome to be here. Cool. Nice to have you. Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I always sit on the other receiving end of the podcast and all of that. So it's yeah, awesome. listening in. So it's nice to be doing, not just listening. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I can, actually, I, I can actually share my voice this time. Yeah. That's excellent. Now, Francis, you got dragged in here because you uh, actually published a an article on design thinking yesterday, and it caught our eye. So. We've got, come down a road of talking about lean and agile thinking and, and actual the methodology behind it. We've spoken about technologies like blockchain and regulatory things and how we're going to change the world one piece of technology and thinking idea at, the, at a time. But it really does start with design thinking. Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, if I can say kind of step back, I, I love the way we, you guys were going with the African thing. And it's, I literally read a thing yesterday where they were all speaking about the same thing where Westerners come to Africa and trying to solve problems in a Western way yeah. where it doesn't work. Like in the example they used was a simple irrigation system to allow local farmers to produce um, an irrigation system and um, produce an income from that. So in a Western way, we try and build things to last. 10 years or something like that and it's expensive and they can't afford it and they um, literally can't make an income from it. So the ultimate solution was making something so cheap that does only last one season but it afforded them to make an income to next year buy a new system but in the end of the day it was solving it by looking at the true needs of the, of the, the local farmers and not just how we would solve problems in a western way. Oh, that's the age of the consumer, isn't it? Age of the customer. The age of the customer. Here we go. <laughs> There we go. Exactly. But it, it comes down to, it ultimately comes down to needs. And it's a, a lot of the time we're trying to, we're trying to symptomatically fix pr- problems, but we're not looking yeah. at the root cause. Like, what is the actual problem? What is causing this again and again? Mm-hmm. And sometimes as businesses and even as individuals, we find ourselves so close to the problem or so close to the symptoms of the problem yeah. that we don't actually treat the root. And I think that's mm. where design thinking comes in. It's, yeah. it's not that end of the line. Um, thing that needs to be put in. It's something that happens really early on where mm-hmm. if you come up with an idea, what is it going to do? Who is it for? How does it do it? And how can we immediately make it better? But like while you're on paper. Mm. I think what design thinking also allows you to do, it, it allows you to expand the perimeter around the problem. So I know you guys mentioned before, like the five wires or pre- pretend that you're a five-year-old. And you're, so you actually do listen. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so you keep on asking why. And I mean, yeah. even though it annoys your colleagues the first couple of times, like eventually you'll start to realize that you get to the, to the roots of the problem. Or yeah. You're not just treating the symptoms. So just in terms of design thinking, because I did read an article uh, a, a short while back, that, and it was written by a design thinking person who said, you know, all you need to know about design thinking is nothing. Because all it actually really is is common sense thinking, yeah. looking at a customer's problem and applying your mind in, in, a, in a lateral creative kind of way to solve that in the best, most effective way. Do, do you agree? Is, is there a process or is it a kind of a buzzword that now gets, you know, we kind of create these business buzzwords that like we own and it's yeah. our marketing position and blah, blah, blah. Is, I, is it a proper science or is it just and common sense? And what's the TLA? The TLA. 
three-letter acronym. I haven't heard any of it. <laughs> DTA. <laughs> Design thinking always. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I thought it was FFS. <laughs> I think there was actually a couple of questions in there, Mike. And um, to go back to it, I don't think it's just a buzzword. It, there is a true methodology behind okay. everything. And things. You, if you really get stuck into the nitty-gritty of it, there's a lot of things that, like you said, can be, be common sense. But yeah. I think Westerners, again, is is taught to take a certain number of inputs, analyze it, and get one output. Where okay. That's vertical thinking, where you touched on lateral thinking as well, where if you go to a horizontal way or integrative way of thinking, you need to be able to solve problems in multiple di- dimensions at the same time. So design thinking is, first of all, human-centered, like we're designing yeah. from the human yeah. human's yeah. perspective, first of all. Mm. We're not looking at what business needs or what marketing budget we have or what technology yeah. okay. we take. We're looking at the human first, what their needs are, and building a product from that perspective. Secondly, we need to look at um, – what is technically feasible, and thirdly, what is viable from a business perspective. And okay. at the intersect of all those three things is where true innovation can happen. Yeah. Mm. Excellent. That's a challenge, right? Yeah. Because the business process is what's always driven. Yeah. Um, uh, the tail lagging the dog. The Correct. need for money. We need yeah. money. We need to run the process like this because our systems do X, Y, and Z, and the customer comes last. Mm-hmm. So, the, I mean, I love the whole thinking around customer is at the center of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask a question on, on that? The, the, mm. you, you talk about the human experience. What, what about the staff experience in relation mm. to the customer experience? Because, you, you know, if we look at brand culture and, and culture is the, the core driver. If you want to get a successful business, drive culture that, yeah. you know, it, it, what's it? Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Yeah. How, uh, what, what role does, you know, just in terms of human, is it, is it really around customer or do you think about the, the staff as well? I think it's a, a yes and no answer, where it's, <laughs> depending okay. what it is. But it's okay. um, something that's also it's spin off design thinking, but something called service design, where you okay. take a service and you you basically design not just the thing itself, but everything around that. So, for argument's sake, I'm going to watch a movie. Actually, sitting down and watching the movie is only the eighth step in the process of actually that yeah, experience. Absolutely. So it's everything around that. And I mean, when you come to more on a business level, it is the staff itself that will sometimes be the most vocal about their opinions and how things are experienced in and around that. Uh, I think it's a great point because, you know, and I've mentioned this in the past. You talk about movies. I, I, I took my kids to the Mall of Africa. Yep. And and they've got that new uh, steak kinniko, I think it is, that allows yep. you to order your popcorn. That infuriated me no end. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? And it's, it's designed, designed for children. Yeah. No, it's not designed for children. It's designed for… It's designed for, it's designed for like precogs or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. But here is a case that, that it, it doesn't work. I mean, just listen to this here. But, I mean, but, but for the staff as well, because mm. you know, that, that you've got five staff standing around mm. trying to help people exactly. for a system that sounds like a great idea. But it's but an I mean, absolute… Mm. Something that design thinking would do is basically plot that down into all the different steps. Yes. And then once you look at all of those steps individually, you would be able to assess and see, like, why can't I buy my movie ticket and popcorn in the same purchase? 
Yes. Like you can combine things. You can make things easier. Yeah. You and know, I could do why, it online. Why do yeah. I need a kiosk? I have a device. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Stop wasting money on things, people. Stop yeah. creating amazing experiences. So just, just to that point, do you think, do you think, uh, and, and I'm not picking on Steve Kinnickel here. Is no, this, no, no. is this just a lack of, of understanding? What is the problem here? Because I think it, it's a new science, right? No, but it's common it's, sense. It, I know it's a you common know? sense. Like uh, we see it the whole time. You're always... getting frustrated here. Just I on was common sense. It's the first time I went in there. Yeah, good. No, but so if you think about it, like, everyone jumps to a solution straight off. Yeah. So if you're a business owner, whoever you are, the solution always sits in your mind. You're like, well, that's what I want to do. And based on my uh, experience and how, uh, my, my gut feel, mm-hmm. that's what I have to do. Yeah. And I think that the design thinking is saying, ignore all of that. Mm. Let's go right down to the basics. And I love the thinking around the complexity of simplification. Yeah. I mean, Tell me a little bit about your thoughts around that. I think that's like a key factor. In well, that sounded thinking, like right? just a buzzword. I did. I did. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> I did. Maybe. Uh, uh, did I just make that up? I, I don't know. So. But it does sound good. We do that a lot. In the show. <laughs> yeah. I think in the end of the day, like design thing will allow you to break it down into the smaller parts. And by doing that, you look, you're able to look at things from different perspective and see things that you weren't able to see before. Mm. And yeah. maybe it over, oversimplifies things, but it's again, um, it's the way that we can look at it. And the earlier thing that you said about, um, it's also like as humans, we all have our preconceived ideas of this would probably be the way that it worked. So something that design thinking also does is like, don't test to validate your ideas, test to learn. Yes. And it's okay. the learnings that you can take back into that. It's like, don't just test to validate your own opinions. So that, that, that's bringing another science of the data, right? Mm-hmm. So I know in Google, they looked at the love index. As a kind of judge on how the experience end to ends playing out, mm-hmm. so it goes beyond just looking at impressions, uh, footfall. You're starting to measure something very different here. Yeah, it's funny enough. I, I can't remember if it was Reddit or someone, but I heard yeah. on the weekend as well that they have a love button now, mm. and every time you love something, you get a so- small percentage of Bitcoin. Ooh. Oh, so, hold on. What? Want yeah. to do that? Want to love? No, I want that, to that, love that, everywhere. No, that, but, that's, uh, but that's a problem. Mike, I mean, uh, Mike, I love you. <laughs> but how, so coming back to this authentic. See, that's the problem. That, that's the problem. We're loving each other without really loving each yes. other. So how authentic British. is the love? Exactly. Oh no, it's Where totally authentic. Yeah. Guys, well, we're all married, right? <laughs> well, for three, for three Bitcoin, I love you. We are only three. Three. Only three. I mean, but it's uh, no less than three. Yeah, I can only like you for less than three. <laughs> no, but that's what happens. So, so brilliant. We're on the Futurology show on Cliff Central, just in case you've forgotten or you blanked out there for a second. And we have already spoken to Jeff Mann, Jeffrey Mann from Gartner. We've spoken about the symposium. They're doing aspiring innovators. In studio, we have Francois Brill, who's talking to us about design thinking. Actually, we're all just discussing design thinking. We've all got a, a great opinion. Is your surname Brill because he's brilliant? Oh, my God. I think it's so not the first time I've heard that. Uh, <laughs> damn it. It won't be the last either. <laughs> Hashtag yeah, Brill. Has this just become the cheesy show, Oaks? Yeah, sorry. Yeah? Sorry, I, I didn't have my cheddar this morning. But what we are going to do today is discuss ourselves. Let's, let's talk about who we are, and Francois, now you're included in this, and we will be going back into design, the design thinking mm-hmm. topic. But just to clarify why we have opinions and where we come from so that everybody can sort of take a side if they really want to, let's work around the table quickly and just explain to everybody. Because you're not always right, right? Who the hell we are. No. And what do they say? Opinions are like... <laughs> 
Oh, it's unsafe. Did you today. just mouth that? Yeah. <laughs> opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. So we've got to make sure that, you know, it, it smells nice to everybody else when you give your opinion. Where has this gone to the toilet? Eh? Yeah. No, yes, very quickly. So, so suddenly we're talking about Brett and we've gone to the toilet. So we're going to start with, we're going to start with Brett Sinclair because he, he clearly wants yeah. to be talking today. So let's give him the mic. <laughs> And Brett Sinclair, you've you've joined us as, as B three in the past when we had B one on the on the show, and you've come in as bomber. bomber. Um, tell us, who the hell are you? I know. I feel like I should stick with BS because BS seems more suitable. Yeah, right? so. now. There's consensus on that. You're now BS. Uh, beautiful so, rebrand. So shamelessly punt who you are, so we know who you are. Okay. And I'll tell you whether you're fibbing. So, yeah, you uh, hold me to it. Keep so, um, uh, I am a technologist. I've been in the space for about 20 years now. Um, if you ever grab a beer with me, I get into my old stories over the first 10 years of my life where I used to live in Mongolia, used to live in Greenland for a year. And I must admit, I accidentally went there because I thought, it was to Mongolia Iceland, or to Greenland? To Greenland. Well, both. How do you accidentally go to both those places? Because <laughs> I thought, here we go. It's going to be land of fire and ice. And, and I kept on, I, I think it was halfway through the trip. And I noticed that the plane was air Greenland. And when we landed on the North Pole, I seen myself, this is, this is not Iceland. And I, I'm, I'm going to spend a year here. Like, where did I go wrong? And I, there was, so I used to implement technology. I mean, we actually rolled out Tele Greenland. <laughs> Well, while you were there, <laughs> had the time. Well, I'm here. <laughs> it's All right, such a small country. Awesome. Yeah. And I guess I came back to South Africa, did the startup thing. That's kind of where Mike and I's world started yeah. crossing over more and more because we were great at failing. Um, and then got into the media game with AdMob and AdMob got bought by Google for about a, just short of a billion dollars. Um, and next thing I'm in this world of Google, running Google, uh, across Africa, Greece, Israel, a whole lot of different of their, uh, their businesses. Where they YouTube. flew you to places on purpose this they, time. Deliberately. Yes. Deliberately. Yeah. Like, please go and, uh, uh, roll out cloud in South Africa. Hmm? Excellent. Um, yeah. And, uh, now I'm a banker, right? At? At Barclays Africa. Excellent. Uh, so you're responsible for the bot. So the bot, yes. Well so done. trying to bring bankers into the future, trying to turn them into a Google of finance. Okay. Um, so we're pushing the boundaries definitely around design thinking. Francois, we're big, awesome. big, big, big fans. So Love it. doing the practice, um, not just the preach. Doing the practice. We have 70 designers in our organization, yeah. UX, UI. Uh, we're starting to get it right. We're winning lots of awards, but... That's just the PR, right? Yeah. yeah. It's about building incredible customer experiences. It's doing stuff. It's Excellent. the do. And your personal mission? My personal mission, to bring the capability of Silicon Valley into the context of Africa. And let's disrupt the world from Africa. Cool. So this aspiring innovators thing really worked well with you. Works well. Looking, looking forward to meeting you. No, I get excited. Well. Hey. That's really, really cool. Excellent. And then... To my left, you can't see in studio, but to my left, I have Mr. Michael Cowan, <laughs> who is the social impact solutionist yeah. and has more recently been dubbed the digital renegade. And I think that's, that's a better suited title. No, more about it, it, it's something I'm more comfortable with. Um, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm actually a reform marketer. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot. Yeah. Is that possible? Yeah, that, that is a possible. I'm a reform marketer. I, I, I mean, in fact, my last real formal job uh, uh, 
it was with when I was working at Plascon with with Brett, yeah. and and then I went off on on the marketing spree. I was coding on mainframe back. You then. you were, and I used to I used to go in and I used to have to ask for my reports, and uh, poor Jenny would see me coming and she would hide away because we'd have to get these huge printouts. And you had to trust that the graphic designer that he had actually done a he didn't just give you a there, pie there was, chart. Excuse me, there was no graphic chart. Excuse me, that was me. I was double space. Four indents to the right, <laughs> and, and today you're wearing a Rubik's cube that is melting. That's so like, and, and it literally trust was, this guy. yeah, and it literally was because you used to get these huge printouts, and you you want to cut a couple of products off, you'd have to kind of go get a line, a ruler, and a pen, and you know start crossing off these products. I mean, I d- you didn't even have an email at this stage. Yeah. I mean, this was the, the years before email actually started. In fact, I got it was my 2010. first. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am young. I just sound very mature. Yeah. But your personal uh, mission then? You, you know, I just think there's a better way. Yes. Um, and and, and I, in fact, I left Plascon because I, I woke up one morning and I was just like, this really sucks. I just couldn't see myself doing it for the rest of my life. So, so I've, I've gone on quite a, a, a very intense personal journey and, and I, I kind of got back into the formal marketing at, at Mindshare where I ran all the digital media for them. Um, which was, which was actually quite boring. So I lost to the buddy. <laughs> it was a great yeah. drinking session. No, it was a great drinking session. In fact, my wife Nobody not, knew enough to argue with you as well. No, 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 no. You, but you see, this is the problem with this, this stuff is, you, you know, the, the loudest person, person who bullshits the most typically wins the game. It's, it's in fact something I learned at Deloitte because I, I left Mindshare to go and be advisory director for Deloitte. And, and I lasted about a year there as well. Um, and, and my resignation note to my then boss was, you know what, fuck you, because I'm going to go wear jeans and tackies. <laughs> Seriously. The, the, this, this is for the birds. Um, and, and it really was. So I, I joined a, a business called Money for Jam um, and where Brett and I really oh. reconnected again on a workspace. Because what, what was fascinating there is we were trying to solve a real problem you know, it, it had a big impact on how people live their lives because, you know, there's there's a quote, and I forget who says, I think it might be Nelson Mandela, you know, no business can be sustainable in a failing community. And and this is a really important point. And now our business philosophy now is, is a bicycle. One has got to be about Profit. You have to make money. Mm. This NGO stuff is is for the birds. You're always begging for money, and and you've also got to be contributing. And and you know, money for jam folded for mm. a variety of reasons, which we won't go into here. But um, I, I started a business, and we're part of the Win Win Group now. And we look at how do we solve real human challenges? How do we take technology and how do we fix things so that things work? I mean, this is why the blockchain conversation for me last week was just absolutely fascinating. You know, the mm. design thinking. How, how do we make Make things work for for people. How how do we make people's lives better? And it's not a, you know, there's always this challenge between left and right. Because I'm pointing in a left direction, it means I'm now arguing with the right. I just think there's a better way. It's not left or right. There's a better way. I'll I'll give you some philosophy here. Oh yeah. A paradox is always reconciled by a third element. There we go. (laughs) So we're the third element. I like to think of the third third element. element. Okay. There we go. But now tell me about the digital digital philosopher. So uh, I'm. A marketing student, and I figured I needed a different title. Than you, you're still would, a student, are you? I think always. <laughs> As a philosopher, the, the right answer is yes. Yes. Um, the only thing I know is that I don't know anything. Uh, but yeah, the digital philosopher thing came up with more as a rebrand of myself in, in the space to say like, well, let's question why. But let's yeah. openly give myself the title and the sort of credentials to say, I'm going to question why. So don't question why I'm questioning why. Let's get on mm. with it. And the, that could be a very interesting conversation in circles. Don't right? question why, just do. But question why, why are you questioning why? Yes. But why? Yes. Paradox, third element, please stop. <laughs> now go. go. Um, but yeah, I think the need from the my experiences sort of 
led me to realize that there are way more solutions than there are problems. And yeah. I couldn't wrap my head around this, this, this thinking, this sort of conventional thinking that came from society saying, oh, it is the way it is because that's the way it's been. Yeah. And that's the way it will 100%. be. And I was like, yeah. what do you mean? Hell no. So I questioned everything. I, was, I literally was that tenacious little shit kid the whole way through my life. I, we got a VCR. I, I took that thing apart. I knew why. <laughs> I know why there's a yellow, a red, and a white cable on an RCA cable. I know what they do, and I Just know which don't direction. Don't know how to put it back go. together. Yeah, but <laughs> if there was a few screws loose at the end of it or left over, they weren't needed in the first place. So I immediately iterated and improved. There we go. Nothing ever stopped working after I was done with it. I just knew it better. So it wasn't design thinking. It was just uh, Lindsay design. It was probably breaking and then like yeah. desperately trying to avoid a beating later. Yeah. <laughs> putting it together. Yeah. But yeah, I think the, the idea that there is, there is more problems, mm. uh, more solutions than problems. And, and just really challenge, challenging as a philosopher, challenging yeah. the fundamental knowledge behind the way things are. Yeah. And having that freedom to do it has led to, well, I've got to meet Brett on sort of some of the speaking roles, got to, to meet you through a radio show. So yeah. getting the forum behind that is, is driven by a need to, to, to philosophize. And, and is, is that what drove you to set up your own business? I mean, your business has been going for a while now, right? I, I've very, yeah, I've, it's going for about eight years. And I very yeah. quickly realized that I was not designed to work for people. I'm very, Adept mm. to working with people. It's the collaborative efforts are so much more rewarding than trying to have a boss say, "Hey, you do this now because I say so." Um, it's super challenging. I'm not going to have. Oh, it's, it's terrifying. It's, it's difficult. Well, Mike, you back there again. Running yeah, I, I, I just, no, I, I can't wait for someone. I, I really can't. Well, I mean, the company's name is Big Brave, and like the, we we do it as a challenge to myself, but also as a challenge to the people that are that we work with. So mm. we like to think of partnering with our with our clients and partnering th- with. Uh, with people with that have a have a need that needs to be solved, but uh, yeah, so Francois actually joined us as well a couple of years back. We bought uh, Francois' business. It was called Innovation Boutique, and Francois, oh, you can tell name. us you can tell us a bit about that. But one of my great quotes that I like is from Benjamin Franklin, which is, "Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I learn." And I think that's where the collaborative force of design thinking and how it all works. People need to do things. So let them do things. Don't mm. let them sit there and be this passive passenger of life. Let's get involved in doing something. Let's make so, stuff happen. Geez, she's a philosopher. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I can talk. That's the problem. So luckily there's a mute button on my microphone, and I'm going <laughs> to use it right now. But it's over to you, Francois Brawl. It's, uh, give, us, give us your intro, who you are, where you're from, and uh, we'll get into the design thinking challenge. Oh, why, why, why design thinking? Yeah. Cool, thanks. Uh, um, I was born at a very young age. Oh, really? Oh, as zero? zero. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, uh, basically, I won't say how long ago, but mm. been around for about 15 years in design. Um, where there, there's a clue there. Okay. So, basically, <laughs> I studied design before there was anything yeah. like design thinking or UX yeah. or anything like that. User experience wasn't even a thing back then. So, traditionally trained um, graphic and digital designer, always been digital, loving it, um, always feel like I'm a student of life as well. Like I always love improving and building mm. on that. Um, also feel like I've failed a, or love failing in the sense of learning fast from mm. that. Like always been involved in the startup scene. Like I've never worked for a boss. Like always done my own thing. Like been through a couple of businesses like that, but basically learns every time and iterated and, mm. and built on top of that. Um, and yeah, I think. I, I'm loving the the direction that things are going with design these days. That d- yeah. design is not the separate thing that we just slap it's got a and place slap at on the table. at the end anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's got a place at the table, and 
Yeah, I've got a whole lot of ideas for next blog post, but another one is like how design is integrated into the business. And if it's not integrated into the DNA of the business, then there's no long- longevity within that. Boom. It's not an afterthought. Exactly. So, so I think all businesses should have a chief design officer. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, and like you look at Apple, you look at mm. – uh, oh God, I'm trying to think of the other example. But Microsoft? Johnny Ives yeah. Yeah. literally lived with Steve Jobs. Yeah. Uh, they did everything together. And look at the magic that they managed to churn yeah. out. I mean, it was just mm. fabulous because they really got to know what the end user wants. Mm-hmm. And the end user was willing to pay above margins, right? Yeah. Surely that seeing that kind of success and return on investment, mm. every CEO would want to pair up with some form of designer. It's also because design taps into the emotive side. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So – that's the intros of who we all are, and we're going to keep going to this design thinking in the next sort of 15 minutes of the show. Um, but we can see we've all had some sort of traditional grounding, some sort of traditional education that's taken us somewhere. But ultimately, it was the experiences we got for ourselves that have actually defined who we've become, not this linear mm. transfer of information through mm. fundamental or traditional yeah. means of, of, of educating. And I think that's the important thing. Sometimes we get taught in such a way that we box ourselves into a way of thinking that is so contra to what we need to be doing in order to move forward into the future. And Francois, you mentioned some of that as as the design thinking, the traditionally trained designers being ingrained with you need a how does it look? How does it feel? Well, not even how does it feel. How does it look? Is it square? Is it round? Is it warm colors? Is it cold colors? It's all that kind of – and that's sort of the idea of what designers are. But they've taken a very different move into today's business. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing. And it's all to do with failing. It's all to do with – well, trying and failing and succeeding. But ultimately accepting that everything's an option. Everything's possible. Uh, and I have no question in there. Actually, so I, 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 there's like a, a, a I, pregnant I, pause there. Just uh, what, the big reveal. Yeah, the big reveal is I actually have a problem with the designers. Yeah. So – as much as I love them to bits, and I, maybe it's the nature of the designer, and I'd like to see if you've got a view on this, okay. um, is that a designer will come up with a version, and then before they're about to submit it, there'll be a version plus version 1A new. Then just as they're about to submit, no, wait, I'm going to make it 1A new plus 1A B new. Mm-hmm. And it keeps on going, and a designer is never happy mm-hmm. with the work that they've ever done. And I feel that, like that's counterintuitive to being able to get stuff delivered. Yeah. What's you, your feeling on that? I think you definitely, you definitely know, need to know when to stop or step away. Mm. Um, they say a true designer know his job is done not when there's something more to add, but when there's nothing left to take away. Yeah. 100%. So, new, new philosophy. I want to record that. I'm going to play it to all our designers, cool. right? But I think also the, the bigger thing is like what design thinking unleashes is design thinking is not just for designers. And it's not, it also debunks the myth of the lone creative genius mm. where even someone like Thomas Edison had a team behind him, but yes. everyone just didn't know that. So it's a true nature of collaboration that gets the result done. And if you go into the, the methodology of design thinking and brainstorming, or they call it deep dives, where we actually unpack ideas in the ideation phase. Like we, we need to go into a diversion way of thinking. And it's always like coming up with ideas and building on the ideas of others. And it's at the end of the idea, at the end of the day, the idea that 
that floats to the top is the idea that everyone works on that the group owns collectively and it's not something that one you as one designer feel like you need to add something or take something away from sure, I'm totally on board with that because putting squads together yeah and you know, where you have business representation you have designers and software engineers and you take a product manager that takes this thing and kind of helps it all go yeah in, in, in this agile way what I find intriguing about it is you often think a designer is very different to a software engineer. Mm-hmm. They, they feel like they're on opposite end of the scales. But when you put them together, there's actually this amazing creative bond yeah. between the two. And when I say put them together, literally across the, the, the table with nothing in between and able to just thrash out ideas, the designer mm-hmm. can come up with a concept or build out the UI and immediately the software engineer can start translating it into code. Mm. That, that's magic, right? No, most definitely. I think it's the the true power behind it is everyone's got their their different way of looking at things, mm. and it's while a designer might think of a UI user experience type of um, solution, the de- developer would typically think of how I can solve a cre- um, from a coding perspective mm. and how I can put it together. Mm. Just a just a question. Uh, sorry, guys. Um, just in terms of design thinking, I mean, we're talking about technology here, UX, UI, etc. But is there a design thinking? process that is not technology related yeah most definitely i think well you mentioned a, a, an analogy to me about the parking lot yeah so that that example was um like i touched on service design earlier yeah where, i mean designing a service is just a type of um way of of um, experimenting with design thinking so okay. what they found is they it was the i can't remember the country but the health minister of a certain country where um, they found that, that all these meetings were late. His day would never run as scheduled and never end as, as planned mm. or whatever. And when design thinking people came into the building, first of all, you go into the field, you research, you observe, you see what's happening. And what they, the first thing they change is the parking lot. So they were actually people with cardboard standing like demarcating lanes and saying where they need to park. And all of a sudden, all the meetings were on time. <laughs> Yeah. And everything happened Genius. as the schedule. So it's just by looking at that one specific aspect, like tweaking it over there, changed the whole process the whole going process. forward. And that's where design thinking is less surface level. It's very deep ingrained yeah. into mm. what the problem actually is and how we can find the right solution for exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. But it's also, I mean, a big thing in design thinking is after you've um, applied empathy, done your user-centric research, you typically ideate and then you build a prototype. But a prototype... Yeah. We all think it needs to be cardboard boxes and uh, PVC pipes that we put together. It can be, and most of the time it, it would be if you're building a product. Yeah, but I mean, if it's a service, sure. it can be anything from a storyboard to uh, acted out engagement in a hotel lobby to say okay. this is how that Something can work. Relevant. So it's, it could be anything in the end of the day. Because uh, I, I do think it's a really important process. And because to change behavior, you've got to change the environment. And yeah. most often we forget about the environment. If we look at how businesses run, mm. we forget about the environment. And it kind of correlates to culture. And there's a great example around the banks. People kept losing their cards in the ATM machine. Yeah. Just make sure everyone takes their card before they get their money. No one loses them in <laughs> the ATM machine. You yeah. solve the problem by fixing the process yeah i mean i was at an atm the other day where it happened the wrong way around and it had been so ingrained in me so i thought something's wrong here mm. what do you mean you're you're giving me my cash first where's my card yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yes i, I mean, think we bank at the same bank <clears throat> actually because yeah, i had that problem so, yeah. uh, I, I so one of the things that i find fascinating is that a lot of the creatives mm-hmm. and and designers are sitting in an agency yeah is that not a missed opportunity? They should be 
out of the agency and into the actual organization. And I'm talking to two agency people, yeah. right? Well, yeah. I'm not, not agency. Don't, well, don't okay, I, I do uh, take that back a bit. But uh, you still chase money as a resource. So you you go and you get this traditional education and you get these things and you've got your hopes and dreams attached to your, to your belt, maybe in your lunchbox. But you're not able to use them yet because you don't have the experience in place to actually be credible enough to make a change. But that's a big thing. It's not just the experiences we're going to have. It's the experiences we have had that help yeah. us think, design thinking, which is why I'm all about the edge of experience because I really do believe that the more you experience, the more you learn. The more you learn, the more you're able to change the experiences you have mm-hmm. that yeah. are coming. I think it's also Steve Jobs had a quote where creativity is just the ability to connect the dots. And it's always easier connecting the dots, dots looking backwards than forward. Yeah, oh. absolutely. And the dots are basically all your experiences. Yeah. But so you've, you've write, written an article, uh, which we'll tweet as well, uh, called the design thinkers toolbox yeah. toolkit. Toolkit. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, it's not like a whole big, it's a good overview. Uh, but there's so much more that goes into it. It's a really good starting point. So if anybody's really looking for some some ideas on uh, design thinking, what is it you want to learn more about, what it is and how you can do it or put it into practice, uh, it's a great article. But tell us more about the, the why why we do it. You've got a, a great part of the, the article there that talks about the rise of it and how we it, – it really does affect everything right down to the culture of the business. Uh, the way in which not only the business interacts with other businesses but also how people interact with each other within the business. Yeah, and I think, like I said earlier, design thing is not just for designers. It's the first Mm. thing we need to know is that it needs to be ingrained into the DNA of the organization. And um, just once you you start digging into design thinking and realizing the the potential it can unlock, I mean, that's that's the reason why we would essentially think of incorporating it into our processes. Yeah. I mean, everything you do with design thinking is just the ability to deepen what we know and widen what we what we put yeah. out at the end of the day. So sure. it's, I mean, if we're doing user-centered research and user-centered design, and mm. um, the best thing we can achieve, or at least we will achieve serving them better, mm-hmm. which is not bad for the bottom line of a business in any case. Why not? Yes. Exactly. If you could yeah. do it with a, with a smile and a, and a fuzzy warm feeling at the end, then even better. Exactly. Last week, we had called a hug. <laughs> I, I, if you want one. <laughs> Sorry. You can I love hugs. Hug. Do you? Yeah. No, they're really effective. And it feels like it's a great experience. Mm. Anyway, sidetrack. That was my squirrel, by the way. (laughs) Squirrel's rock. (laughs) Nice. Last week we had, uh, Monica Singer. (laughs) Last week we had Monica Singer on the show, uh, from, she's the CEO of Straight and we were talking blockchain and she said something really, really interesting, uh, while we were talking, talking to her. And it's, she said, it's not about revolution. It's not about revolutionizing the business you're in or the, the sector you're in. It's about evolving it. Mm. So less about revolution and more yeah. about evolution. Mm-hmm. Do you sort of believe in that as well? I think most definitely something like design thinking has the ability to unlock that where it's all about circular design in the end of the day. It's in the past, we used to design linear from start to finish, something's finished, where it's all circular now. We need to come back to it and revise it every now and then. And I mean, that's the only way we can evolve and iterate is yeah. to build on what we've done before. Excellent. Occasionally, you might be surprised by the outcomes of design thinking. So we've had a couple of workshops um, on our side where you get someone in and say, right, cool, you've got a great business idea, pretty shit app idea, or the other way around. Yeah, because they've they yeah. tried to solve the solution already. Yeah, I know yeah. how to solve this. I'll build an app. Or exactly. uh, I'll make Kill a problem. Me. I'll yeah. make the problem, and then I'll <laughs> solve it. Yeah. So let me just – let me put this whole – and the old traditional way of doing these sort of proposals is let's do a problem definition. 
And we've started changing that as well. Instead of being a problem definition, do it as an opportunity definition. What the heck is it? What is it going to do when it, it is something? Mm. And by going through the design thing, you're going through like an insights workshop of sorts where you're saying, ask why, 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 why. You're able to come out with something that maybe you were surprised with that you didn't have that notion of going into. Mm. And it's really important in that space that when you brainstorm that you're actually, you're working with the people around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think sometimes the big corporates struggle with that idea. The fact that the hierarchical organogram of the business doesn't allow for the person at the bottom to necessarily have a say and even if they do have a say to put any merit behind it it's creating those safe spaces we keep creating safe spaces to allow people to have the mandate to do really cool stuff and ask the silly questions and ask why as many times as you want but it's often ingrained in the culture yeah i think the secret to innovating especially when you're considering design thinking is getting the question right and what i mean by that is what is the problem that we're solving for the customer so you could see the problem but asking the question correctly is the make or break for the end solution and i think mike we we went through a bit of that exercise when we were trying to decide what are we going to solve when building our dlt for the challenge that we've set up (laughs) and we ended up in a very different space totally different we surprised ourselves but Mm. you you know what i think we need to do brett because i do think design thinking is a really important process and i think it would be great to have francois come back and but take Mm. us through a process yes yeah Mm. and 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 actually instead of going because we're bouncing a bit here but if if Mm. we actually take say what is the problem and how do we actually solve it and kind of do a more a more structured approach to this so we can actually do a practical yeah Go listen to this podcast and you'll know how to do design thinking yeah, thereafter. There's a workshop here of. And yeah, we'll go. exactly. So, uh, so if, take if the toolbox. That, yeah, and take the, 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 the toolbox that you've written about there. And let, let's do something a bit more tactile on it, I think. I think it would be a very interesting approach. Awesome. Well, that's, that's perfect because uh, one of the things you mentioned as well is that it's our human nature to assume before we even ask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really important that we do ask. This collaborative force and this cognitive, collective cognitive resource we have, it's – it's all there, so let's get together. Let's do something amazing. But mm. last five minutes of the show, we're going to talk about the future, and uh, it's come come quickly. It has. But uh, let's talk about things that we've seen today that impressed us, that was revolved around design thinking, and what do we think we're going to expect? What is there to expect in the future? I have to admit, I'm, keep going back to the example of the irrigation system. Yeah. Uh, not that particular example, but what mm. impressed me was around thinking in African customer problems. And one of the examples I saw was a borehole that was attached to a merry-go-round. So this merry-go-round was Mm. super sturdy. It was built out of solid metal, and it's plugged into the borehole system at a school. So you're solving a number of customer problems where kids are enjoying and you know having the facility to play on this playground while at the same time it's pumping borehole water. So the more that we can apply ourselves to those very, very simple problems mm. and, and, and squeeze the efficiency, let's do more than just pump water or just irrigate uh, farming or even the transportation of water. I mean, you've seen that barrel where they looked at people carrying water on their heads and thought, well, who would have thought that that was a problem? But actually, let's put it into a barrel. You can carry a hell of a lot more water mm-hmm. and you can either push or pull. All of a sudden, you can transport more water backwards and forwards, yeah. and therefore you're freeing up more time for the individual in their day-to-day lives. So I think that kind of future thinking, I don't think it's going to be super high-end. I think it's going to be super simple. Yeah. Super practical. I dig that. Mm. I, I really do. And it makes it fun. Yeah. Mm. 
I don't know if I read the exact same article, but mm. um, the one with the merry-go-round is yeah. typical of the Western Australian and solve African problems because the one that I read, said, they said it failed in the end of the day because oh. the children didn't want to actually play on the merry-go-round enough <gasps> to pump the water. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay, so they, that's fascinating. It was right? a wrong assumption. So I'm making the same mistake as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 Excellent. Yeah, well, one of the great yeah. point to finish off on. Yeah. One design thinking thing I saw recently was how do we get people to be more fit or be more active and no, no thanks. Use the stairs rather than <laughs> the escalator. And there was that there was that great piece of marketing actually that had an amazing impact. And they put an interactive keyboard on the staircase yes, as I saw you walked. So yeah. if you walked up it, you could actually play music. Oh, cool. And just out of curiosity, because by nature humans are naturally curious, and they would start changing their habits because of design thinking and i thought mm. that was quite that was quite profound and its simplicity as well was just like hey make it more interactive to take the stairs and and they will mm. so thank you very much francois for joining us in the studio All right and guys once again a pretty cool uh, episode of the futurology show we've had a lot happen in this in this episode sure lots still to lot. come yep. and uh until next time catch us uh on wednesday 12 o'clock this is the futurology show cheers cliffcentral.com